As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the season just took another turn for the 49ers, and this one in the negative direction for them. The Seattle Seahawks beat them 37-27 at CenturyLink Field, and it was ugly. It was a lot uglier than the score would indicate. In fact, it was 30-7 just a couple minutes into the fourth quarter. Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt again, left with an ankle injury. George Kittle was also hurt, although x-rays on his foot injury came back negative but the 49ers are in a whole world of pain they dropped a four and four the nfc west title shot is essentially out the window at this point because they're three games down in the loss column halfway through the season and they can't really even think you know that ambitiously after the performance they put out there on sunday against the seahawks because they made one of the worst defenses in the league look really good. They weren't, you know, able to defend against the Blitz. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't able to beat the Blitz. It was just all around a bad offensive performance, Matt, I think, in a game where the Seahawks outcoached the 49ers in large part because both teams were injured in this game. But I really thought that Seattle exposed the 49ers injuries, especially Debo Samuels and Raheem Mostert's, and obviously the, the center injuries to Garland and Richburg, to really be able to to crack the 49ers ship and uh, crack it they did. Whenever the 49ers only are averaging 2.8 yards per play after three quarters, so that's 2.8 yards per play when Garoppolo went out, that was the worst performance by a yard of the Shanahan era, even worse than 27 Philadelphia when it was 3.8 yards per play. So that gives you an idea of just how bad this was for the 49ers. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff exposed in this game. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that DJ Reed was one of the, the players of the game for Seattle. I mean, the 49ers obviously miscalculated on that injury. They thought that he would be out until maybe December. They waived him because of that, thinking that he'd go on injured reserve for the season. And the Seahawks picked him up the next day. And he was practicing last month, I think October 20. And uh, he was activated on Saturday. And <laughs> He certainly looked good. Gave them a lot of pep and energy. He seemed like a very Seattle Seahawks-like player for them. So it's just that kind of day. Everything just looked bad for the 49ers. As good as everything looked last week against the Patriots, it was uh, the mirror opposite. And I, I wonder whether, I don't know, they uh, 
expended too much uh, on the uh, Patriots' win. They just didn't. They just seemed flat. They didn't have it. Uh, the defense came out looking really good, but then DK Metcalf caught fire and he just ravaged uh, the, this defense. The 49ers did not have an answer for him. It looked like uh, DeAndre Hopkins in Week One, really. Uh, so it's just a myriad of problems. We could probably go through them one by one. But Dennis, what uh, what stood out to you in this loss? A uh, pretty deflating loss for the 49ers. I'm still trying to figure out what which 49ers team is going to show up week to week now. I mean, just they're just so inconsistent. And it almost feels like whatever it is, the Seahawks defense, the worst in the NFL, and the 49ers actually played down to that level. And you know, you saw Bobby Wagner, and we we've talked about he's not the Bobby Wagner he used to be. Today he looked like the Hall of Famer Bobby Wagner. Yeah, it just feels like each week, week to week, this team just can't put it together. Week to you can't play consistently. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, let's face it, didn't look very good. I mean, he he, he looked like he was uncomfortable. Uh, he didn't get blitzed until later, you know, maybe in the second half. But when those blitzes came, there was no answer. And the, the offense just could not get anything going. And then the turnovers just killed him. And, you know, I, I thought this game was over after that Dante Pettis fumble. I thought the game was done at that point. They got some garbage points in the fourth quarter, but they looked like their legs were heavy. I mean, it's not a long trip. You're going right up to Seattle a couple hours away. They just look like they were really tired on the field. Well, they've been inconsistent, but the personnel has been inconsistent from week to week because of all these injuries. And I think, you know, I'll bring it back to what I mentioned at the top. They didn't have Debo Samuel, and we talk about it every single week. And, you know, it's not an excuse for the 49 they they have not built I think this offensive line sustainably to pass protect without having that lateral rushing threat that Debo Samuel gave them so effectively against the Rams and the 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 Patriots so I mean he's running all these sweeps the pass rush is off balance and then Jimmy Garoppolo goes to work and he's able to beat those teams downfield well no Debo Samuel today that I thought was a huge deal because the 49ers, you know, were not able to really play this game on their terms. And, you know, it may, maybe that's not true. Maybe uh, you divide this up into two phases, and Dennis had a good point. Seattle didn't start blitzing until later, and this is what I wrote about. Phase one of the game, which was kickoff until the two-minute warning, the 49ers had every opportunity to run up some points against the Seahawks, who were running a converted rookie tight end at defensive end. That's how bad the Seahawks' four-man pass rush was. Garoppolo had all day to throw for the first 58 minutes or for the first 28 minutes of this game. And the 49ers only came away with seven points. Why did they only come away with seven points? Well, I think it was partly Kyle Shanahan's fault. One of the worst play calls I've ever seen from him, a wildcat on third down. Uh, Shanahan's explanation after was it didn't work because they ran cover zero against it. Well, of course they ran cover zero against it. Your running back, Jarek McKinnon, is lined up as quarterback. He doesn't have a throwing threat. I don't care if he played quarterback back in high school, but th that play call just didn't make sense at that time. That detonates a 49ers drive. And then Jimmy Garoppolo detonates the next 49ers drive, one of the worst throws I've seen from him in the NFL. It was a pass straight to DJ Reed, of all people, when Kendrick Bourne was wide open in the end zone. So you had two drives there at the start of the game where Seattle wasn't pressuring anybody and the 49ers had a chance to at least if they were just average to kick, or if they were just bad instead of horrendous, they could have kicked two field goals. And if they kick two field goals in those two drives, this game looks totally different. 
but they weren't just bad. They were terrible. The 49ers offense was on those two drives. They wasted a great defensive start. And then the Seattle onslaught with all those blitzes came. I counted it up, Matt. They blitzed six times on seven Garoppolo dropbacks in, uh, you know, late second quarter, early third quarter. And th- that eventually knocked Garoppolo out of the game. And the 49ers gained negative 18 yards on those six Seattle blitzes. So, Uh, There you have it. I think you got phase one where the 49ers didn't capitalize when they could have, and then they were just woefully ill-prepared for when Seattle actually did blitz in the third quarter. Yeah, and and once the 49ers fall behind, they can't run anymore, and uh, that's when they've been vulnerable this year, when defenses know that they have to to pass the ball. And uh, that's what Pete Carroll did. He started to, to blitz more heavily in the uh, in the second half, and Dennis is right. Bobby Wagner looked like uh, the Bobby Wagner of old. He took that game over, uh, and it just goes to show you that you know even if if the defensive unit is is bad uh, from top to bottom, if you've got one good player in the middle like Bobby Wagner is, and and what uh, Fred Warner is becoming, uh, that that can do a lot for you. But uh, back to your original point, uh, David. Yeah, the, the lateral running was was missing. Um, the thought going into the game was that, okay, Debo Samuel's not going to play, but at least they've got Brandon Ayuk, uh, and he can run some of those plays. He didn't get any carries in this game. Uh, a lot of us thought that, oh, maybe we'll see Kevin White in this game. I mean, he's got some run-after-catch ability. He's a guy that ran a sub 4-4 coming out of the draft. He's a big, strong guy. Maybe he can do some of the things that Debo Samuel does. No, <laughs> they elevated River Craycraft instead of uh, Kevin White for this game. And uh, he, he wasn't uh, involved in the offense. Trent Taylor was involved more than he's been, uh, but didn't have a big effect. Again, it was just Ayuk and the other starter, Kendrick Bourne. The 49ers don't have any other weapons there uh, beyond those those top three receivers. And, uh, gee, I, I got to think that we say this every year, but... Uh, it seems like defensive end and wide receiver are the two big offseason priorities year in and year out. The 49ers just can't quite seem to solve those those positions. And I think that those and, and cornerback have to be uh, atop the list uh, going into the, the 2021 draft as well. But, um, you know, Dennis, what did you see, um, you know, with the 49ers offense? Anything else that kind of stood out to you in this game? It's really surprising to me when you think about Kyle Shanahan and, and how creative we've seen him call a football game to think that there is no one else besides a Debo that can get to the perimeter of a defense. I mean, there's no one else. You would think I used that guy, but you didn't see any of, you know, those smoke screens or those yeah. in the round sweeps that Debo's so good at. Is there no one else on this squad that he trusts to run the ball like that? I think that's what helps a Jimmy Garoppolo, those the, the ability to get to the perimeter with some of those yak yards. I was just surprised that you didn't see some type of game plan or did Ken Norton just have a better game plan that kind of shut down that whole thing that you've seen. When, it's, when the 49ers are successful, it's that wide game that edge game that sets up jimmy garoppolo and then you know your inside running is debo that important to this offense that you can't run anybody else to the perimeter no i agree with you i thought that this was the worst that we've seen kyle shanahan in a a really long time and the reason that i'm so sure of that is that wildcat play call i thought was indefensible on that first drive and again shanahan tried to defend it but you can't say that the type of defense that they were playing 
uh, was perfect for that play because your play created the defense that was perfect for it. I mean, the whole point of having a quarterback back there on a third and long is that he can give you a passing threat so that the defense can't sell out against the run. This was a bad Seattle defense. Let's not pretend that this is a good Seattle defense. It's not. Right. And I thought that the 49ers from the very first pass of the game, which is a first down to Brandon Ayuk, to the second pass of the game where George Kittle was wide open, but Garoppolo led him a little bit too much, a hit off of Kittle's hands, you know, probably both of their faults on that. It was incomplete, but I, I thought it was still really clear that they, they could have what they wanted if they were just, you know, would run a standard pass game and then start throwing standard screen passes when, when, when they're blitzed. But no, they start running out of the wildcat the first time, and then Garoppolo throws a terrible interception the second time. And then when those blitzes came, Dennis, you're right. The 49ers didn't do anything you know that resembled their standard perimeter game or even a standard screen pass until they were down 30-7 to and Nick Mullins was in the game. And finally, they figured it out, and they said, okay, we're going to run a standard wide receiver screen to Ayuk, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. That This is how you counteract the blitz. They didn't do that when Garoppolo was in and Garoppolo obviously I mean he, he was bad too in, in that blitz stretch but I just thought that Shanahan Matt was a step behind um, Ken Norton Jr. and that's shocking to us you know not just because the Seahawks have a bad defense but because we rarely see Shanahan a step behind play calling wise but I, I really do think that uh, he was you know, a little shell-shocked without Debo Samuel in there this week. And, and guess what? The 49ers are going to have to figure it out quick because they play the Packers on Thursday. They probably won't have Debo Samuel again. Yeah, a step behind. That could be the uh, the theme of this game because uh, I agree with that. This was this was bad Shanahan. We saw genius uh, Shanahan uh, a week ago against Bill Belichick. This was Shanahan brought back down to earth by the other dean of defensive play callers, uh, Pete Carroll. And I agree with what Dennis said. I mean, it seemed like physically they also were a step behind in this game. I can't remember how many plays there were where a Seattle defender got out on the perimeter and there was a 49ers defender, whether it was a linebacker or a safety coming in, and the guy just arrived a half step too late and it allowed that Seattle ball carrier to get down the field. That first touchdown by DK Metcalf, Emmanuel Mosley has a misstep on when the ball arrives. I thought Drake Greenlaw had a kind of a, a misplay, a, a false step in chasing him. Jason Verrett didn't get off of his block. There were a lot of people who were lacking on that play, and I think that was a microcosm of the game as a whole. Again, just wonder whether they kind of spent themselves, got too excited about their victory against the Patriots, thought they were a little bit better than what they are, and just weren't ready for this game. I know that they felt like they were, but you know that's that's the trick, sustaining that energy throughout the course of a season. It's really hard to do, and, and the 49ers fell flat flat on their faces in this game on Sunday. You know, the 12-man was not there. They were in an empty stadium. But, you know, we got to give credit to, to the Seattle Seahawks. They, they've got a pretty good quarterback. Solid tried to blitz uh, Russell Wilson. But every time you blitz Russell Wilson, it seems like there's a big play. And, you know, once you have a miss, misstep like Mosley did, and, and it's a touchdown, and you make a mistake, they capitalize on it. And it, it all starts with Russell Wilson. And, you know, the Seahawks, it's going to be tough to beat. Them. I mean, they don't even need a defense. They had a defense today, but they've won a lot of games without the defense because their offense is so efficient and they're consistent. And that's what the 49ers miss, that consistency on offense. To beat this team, and we know the Seahawks are explosive, and Dennis, I think that your guys, I think the defense is not at fault in this game. I think that the 49ers defense gave them exactly 
what they were expecting. Go back to those first two drives, right? I consider blitzes to be like bullets. You, you have a limited amount of them, right? Especially against a good quarterback like Russell Wilson. He's going to figure it out and he'll start burning you. So Robert Sala had a finite amount of bullets in this game. He used a lot of them on those first two drives, gets two huge stops, and he says, hey, offense, take this and build a lead for me. And what did the 49ers offense do? The opposite. They didn't do anything. So, of course, on that third drive, you have DK Metcalf start to take off. I mean, this is a 49ers defense minus Nick Bosa, minus D Ford, uh, minus Jaquaski Tart, minus Richard Sherman. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And this is a very high-powered Seahawks offense. And guess what? The Packers are also a very high-powered offense coming on Thursday. So it's just unrealistic to expect a defense to keep on going out there and getting stop after stop. I think the 49ers, as we said before this game, to win it, they were going to have to establish a lead and play downhill. And the defense gave them every opportunity to establish that lead. Twice they had the ball in Seattle territory on their first two possessions, and twice the 49ers offense failed them. And then it becomes a downhill game. Then you saw Metcalf picking on Emmanuel Mosley. Although Mosley did have that nice pass breakup later in the game, but it's just a tough matchup without a pass rush for the 49ers. And we said it a few weeks ago after Bosa went down, the offense is going to have to carry the way now. Against these elite offenses, the defense is just not going to have enough firepower to lead the way. They can help you like they did today, but the offense has to lead the way, and they failed miserably at that. Yeah, and the question now is, do the 49ers have another bounce back in them. They could be playing this game, you know, short week, four days to prepare, four days to heal for the Packers. They could be playing without Kittle, without Coleman, Mostert, and Jeff Wilson, and without Garoppolo. And we were saying similar doom and gloom things after the awful loss to the Dolphins, and, and they did bounce back. They had a great game the next week against the Rams. The offense certainly did, and Garoppolo looked better in that game as well. But uh, I just wonder how many bounce backs they have in them uh, before just all of this takes uh, the attrition just weighs down this team. It's too late. You noted it, David. I mean, they're, they're now well behind in the, in the division. They're four and four. I think that is still a path to the playoffs. It's what I've been saying all along that just come out of their bye five and five, and then maybe they get some of these guys back and they make a big push in that running game, that lateral game, using the width of the field like we've been talking about. You can do that more when you've got Debo Samuel, when you've got Raheem Mostert, when Jordan Reed is back in the fold. Uh, but getting to 5-5 five and five means winning one of these next two games against the, uh, the Packers and the Saints. Um, and you mentioned uh, Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, he has not looked good against uh, DeAndre Hopkins and looked even worse against D.K. Metcalf. Uh, you got to play these guys uh, one more time, each of those guys, one more time this season. You've also got Devontae Adams coming on Thursday, and uh, you might have Michael Thomas coming uh, in Week 9. So uh, that's, a, that's a lot, uh, or, or Week 10, rather. Uh, so that, that, you know, without that pass rush, you're exposing somebody like Emmanuel Mosley, who's a good cornerback. He's not a great cornerback. He's, he's a, a, an average, uh, serviceable cornerback, but uh, weeks one and now uh, Sunday uh, 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 against the Seahawks have shown that uh, if he's exposed, the opposing quarterback, they're just going to eat him alive. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I, I calculated, I think it was 139 yards just to DK Metcalf that he gave up. That's uh, 
139 yards and two touchdowns with Emmanuel Mosley in coverage. You're, you're, it, it's going to be hard to win games when uh, a quarterback can easily go to one receiver like Russell Wilson did to DK Metcalf on Sunday. And I think at one point, DK had more passing yards, tire 49ers offense at one point in the football game. So it, it does make it very hard to win if, if you're going to play that way. But I got a question. The trade deadline's coming up. Do you buy, you sell, or you just kind of at four and four kind of sit what you got and see, you know, what happens? Can you come out five and five after a bye week? Or do you go out and you and you try to get something? You try to get, a, I don't know who's out there. You try to get a pass rusher, another receiver, a defense, a bigger defensive back. At this point, being four and four, and now you're two games behind in your division, what should the game plan be? Well, I think we saw some of the salary cap realities play out today. You know, if you had a look at one play that was especially disastrous, it's Dante Pettis trying to return a kick. Kick return, by the way, is the one position where you have to be eminently physical, courageous, you know, you name it. All of the things that Kyle Shanahan has strongly implied that Dante Pettis isn't. And it was an extremely physical game, and Pettis runs into extremely physical contact, hurts himself, and fumbles the ball. Obviously a complete disaster because that's when everything was snowballing for the 49ers. You cannot convince me that Kyle Shanahan thought that Dante Pettis was the best option in the building to be returning kicks in a game like this. I would think, and I'm just speculating, that Kevin White was the best option in the building. However, Kevin White is on the practice squad, and by NFL rules, you can only promote practice squad guys twice in a season. The 49ers had already promoted or you know flexed Kevin White twice. In order to put him onto the roster for this game against Seattle, the 49ers would have had to give Kevin White a full-time promotion. A full-time promotion would mean that they would have to give him a full-time salary. That salary would be prorated for the season. It would cost the 49ers about $500,000. They have a grand total of $0 in cap space right now. So they would have had to make some kind of crazy restructure. They would have to redo somebody's deal just to promote their own guy from the practice squad for the Seattle game, which is why I suspect that they got into this whole Pettis mess in the first place because they just don't have any money to even promote their own practice squatter. Right. So I think that extends to this trade deadline unless they make a move that ships somebody off some salary off like a Jaquaski tart or somebody who actually has some value and, you know, some salary attached to them that another team would take. They don't have money to take on anybody else. Of course, they can restructure a contract. So maybe we'll see them do that. But I think that the rock in a hard place that the 49ers find themselves in really showed up today with Dante Pettis and probably is going to show up here as the trade deadline comes and, and goes on Tuesday. Yeah, Pettis was the one guy that we knew was on the trade block. Uh, Shanahan had admitted to that. Um, and, and now there's no way to trade him. He, he's hurt. Uh, he's, he's literally, we were talking about this before we, we came on, he's literally damaged goods now. Um, he, he, he can't be traded. Um, and I'm not sure anybody was going to trade for him anyway. But um, yeah, you, you mentioned Tart, um, Akella Witherspoon. These are all guys who aren't signed for next year. So there's no guarantee that they're, they'll be back. In fact, I don't think Witherspoon's coming back no matter what. So, uh, you know, he would be a prime guy to trade. Um, but I, I don't know if, A, another team wants to take him on because you are taking on his salary. Uh, so uh, other teams are, are dealing with the same issue the 49ers are, um, and which is not only are they in, in salary cap straights this year, but 
the cap could go down to 175 million next year. So any saving that you have this year is going to roll over to next year's cap. That doesn't apply to the 49ers, but every team is kind of looking at it in that way. Uh, so uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything. Um, and the only way that they could bring someone in, as David said, is if they shed uh, one or two guys. And frankly, I don't see that happening either. I mean, who, <laughs> the 49ers are so injured right now, they can't uh, uh, afford to to ship anybody out. And anybody that they would want to ship out isn't anybody that another team would want anyway. I'm just sitting there thinking about my dog, Dante Pettis. I mean, David, just hearing you say all, all the things that Kyle Shanahan has questions about, he proved it correct today. He's on the kickoff team where you, you have to be physical. You have to be able to absorb a hit. And he goes out and he gets hurt. <laughs> and then he Wild fumbles fumbling. the football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's, I mean, what a feeling he's got to have w- walking around that facility, knowing, first of all, the head coach has said, I'm shopping you, and now you know you, you can't even be shopped anymore because you're injured. So, yeah. but you know, welcome to the NFL. That's that's what it's about, and and it's and it's it's a cutthroat sport. It's cutthroat business. But Dante's had a lot of chances, and I think today he had another he had another chance to maybe prove, or at least maybe to up his stock a little bit as other teams kind of look at him, and and you know, and he and he fails miserably. But I think you guys are right. I, I don't see any any movement. Because there's no money. I mean, I, I guess you can sell, but everybody you have to sell. And again, we're talking about grown men buy and sell. But, you know, that's the nature of the game. But everyone's hurt. Whoever's on the squad that, that's got some worth is probably in the training room. So I think this is what we're going to get, you know, for the rest of this football season. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Dennis, I think that the 49ers' best-case scenario is the 1991 formula. And I know you guys didn't make the playoffs in 1991, but there weren't seven playoff spots back then. And if there were seven playoff spots in 91, you guys would have made the playoffs. And there's an argument to be made that you could have gone all the way. I mean, for background, the 1991 49ers started the season two and four. They were four and four at this point. Dennis was on that team in, in 1991. And uh, I believe you guys even dropped to four and five. 
but you won your final six games and you were on your third string quarterback and Steve Bono for a lot of that season. And then Steve Young came back at the very end after you're eliminated from playoff contention. Week 17, you smashed the Bears at Candlestick, but you couldn't go to the playoffs and uh, Washington won that year. So uh, there's... And that was a great Washington team, by the way. So I'm not saying the 49ers would have been favored to beat them, but you never know. Team winning six straight, getting hot, getting healthy at the end of the year. I really see that this 49ers team is going to have to execute a similar formula. Like Matt said, they need to scratch and claw and fight, get to five and five, because these next two games, I don't think you can expect two wins at the level of health that they're at right now. But if they can be five and five, leaving that New Orleans game, going into the bye, and if you could somehow get Jimmy Garoppolo to a level of health to where he's, you know, consistently beating blitzes. By the way, up, you know, before this game, Jimmy Garoppolo was averaging over 11 yards an attempt and five touchdowns and no interceptions against the Blitz. So the, the 49ers were were able to, you know, they burned the Rams on the cover zero Blitz. Uh, there were other examples of them beating the Patriots on a Blitz. So they, they have to make sure that they show what happened, in, that disaster that happened in the third quarter today was an anomaly. And to do that, they have to work their way back to health. They have to survive this fire. Remember, they're three games into the gauntlet. They're 2-1 and one right now. So, so the sky isn't falling yet, although because of the poor start to the season, the 49ers are on tenuous ground whenever they lose. But but if they can make it look like an anomaly moving forward and get healthy and get hot toward the end of the year, I think that 1991 season, Matt, is is you know historically what the 49ers can try to emulate. Um, and I'm just saying that so people don't you know start jumping ship quite yet. Well, get healthy is the key. And um, they've got a game on Thursday, which is daunting to say the least. But after that, um, they only have one game in the next 24 days. That's the game in New Orleans. So there is an opportunity to, to, get, uh, to get healthy. They will have some time off. You would think that over that span, I don't really know the nature of, of high ankle sprains, whether Jimmy Garoppolo just went backwards five weeks in his recovery from his week two. Remember, that high ankle sprain happened in week two against the Jets on what should have been a, a penalized and, and fined hit, <laughs> but wasn't for some reason. But my point being that it, it's already been a while since uh, he experienced it. Um, he's clearly not fully over it. And I, I just wonder whether, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan's been saying this, this can be a season-long thing. Um, but if there's ever a spate, a span of time for that ankle to heal – it's over the next month because, like I said, uh, there's the game Thursday and then there's the game the following Sunday and then there's a bye. So there, there's going to be some time off, some time for these guys to finally heal and uh, maybe the uh, the reinforcements finally are, are coming. The cavalry's coming for this team coming out of the bye. Here's my question to you guys. You guys were on that Zoom call. There was one time, there was one point where a reporter asked about Jimmy Garoppolo and he said, oh, I don't know. You have to ask him. And it really felt like, you know, has, has Kyle Shanahan lost a little confidence? I mean, he, he had no report. He was just like, you know, I don't know. Ask Jimmy Garoppolo. I have no idea. Yeah, that was interesting. And we figured that when he said that, that Jimmy Garoppolo would be available to speak to the media. But then he didn't come on a Zoom call. So Matt actually brought that point up. We were, we were texting and he's like, well, they say that uh, <laughs> ask Jimmy Garoppolo, but then we couldn't really ask Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's just one of those things where if we're in the locker room, like we are in any normal season, we can, you know, gauge what's going on, you know, how much ice does he have on his ankle and, you know, all this and all that. But 
we can't really do that this year. So it could have just all been lost in translation. He could have been getting treatment and Shanahan thought that he would come. And no, so, you know, you can't really point too many fingers uh, besides saying, hey, the 49ers have to turn this around by Thursday. Who knows who's going to start on Thursday, right? Is this going to be uh, Nick Mullins? Is it going to be Garoppolo? Mullins played the fourth quarter garbage time. I don't think you could draw too much out of that because Seattle started dropping back into you know the more prevent type of defense, and there was a lot of soft spots uh, to throw to. So, I mean, either way, the 49ers will not have a lot of time to look at this film. Uh, I think Kyle Juszczyk even said they won't watch it as a team they're just going to have to watch it individually. The coaches probably won't get a lot of sleep. And it's, you know, they faced the top scoring offense in the league on Sunday. They're going to face the number two scoring offense in the league, albeit coming off a loss to Minnesota on Thursday. And the good news is Green Bay is not a good run defense. So maybe the Thursday bruises will get to them. Maybe even if Mullins has to start, even if Garoppolo doesn't start at 100%, they could run it down Green Bay's throat like they did last season. I don't know, but I think it's indisputable that the 49ers Matt right now are in a very tough spot maybe the toughest spot of the season this five-day stretch is you know one of those flurries including the trade deadline that uh, you know really test the team really test the franchise but somehow some way they're gonna have to gut it out and and figure out a way to get it done on Thursday yeah it's like we're we're back to the the Dolphins game a game where, where Jimmy Garoppolo was pulled and when we figured oh he's not going to be able to kind of play in the next one and he did and he played well or or he, he was uh he was good in that game uh Shanahan protected him uh, against the Rams so it, it, like I said they're gonna have to pull that rabbit out of their hat and, and really do it with with fewer rabbits than they had against the Rams that that first bounce back game uh because um running back is is going to be an issue it doesn't look like Tevin Coleman's going to play Raheem Mostert won't play. Jeff Wilson won't play. You're left with Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. Um, and uh, I thought if there was one silver lining in this game, it, it seemed like McKinnon, uh, I know that he finished with, uh, uh, again, finished with minus rushing yards, but uh, they weren't running the ball in the second half. And uh, he did seem to have a little bit more spring in his step. So maybe he's over whatever it was was, was, was hindering him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the ticket to beating Green Bay. You got to gouge them with a run. The issue is that the 49ers don't have an abundance of running backs anymore. Yeah. And, and you, you have to pressure an Aaron Rodgers and they don't have, have, they don't have that either. Yeah. And, you know, David, you made the, uh, the, the analogy about, you know, eliminate bullets. Well, you got to get some more bullets or some bigger bullets because, you know, the bullets you had this week. It didn't work out, and you're going again another another veteran quarterback that can eat you up if you want to run blitzes. So you got to come up with either a bigger gun or bigger bullets, and that's going to be the challenge this week for this for this 49ers team. And Aaron Rodgers is coming to town, and I guarantee you, you know, he hasn't forgotten about the games, those two games last year. He's going to be ready to play, and I just want to see what team's going to show up. I, I just the consistency is just all over the board this 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 year with the 49ers and I need to see some more consistency but now they get to forget about this game and they got to line up on Thursday and that's just the way it is they got to line up Thursday and they got to play and you got to come out and you got to play a whole lot better than you played this week. Well, if there's anything to be a little bit more optimistic about if you're a 49ers fan, I think it's that Kyle Shanahan won't lay 
two eggs like that in in a row and green bay's weakness is that run defense i mean minnesota just tore them up on sunday so even i think you know without a full stable of running backs and i know it's really depleted there i still think Shanahan could really make some stuff happen on the ground against Green Bay here coming up on Thursday. And if he does, regardless of who's playing quarterback, I think there is a chance he actually controls the game flow. They didn't control the game flow. They had opportunities against Seattle. They didn't do it. So I think the opportunities to be seized, to execute, will be there to control the game flow. And, uh, you know, then overarchingly, it's the same challenge as Seattle, you have an explosive offense on the other end. You have to keep that explosive offense on the sideline. Today, Seattle ran more plays than the 49ers, so the 49ers did not execute the methodical challenge. So they'll take another swing at it against the similarly built team and the Packers on Thursday and try to methodically control the ball. And the good news for them is that the Packers' run defense is bad, and and we already know this 49ers' run offense matches up well with that Packers' run defense. So we shall see. It's it's one of those. We're not going to have a, a preview episode for the Packers game since it's an early one on Thursday. So we'll talk to you guys after the game on Thursday. So hopefully this kind of served as a, as a preview. It's handy that both the Packers and the Seahawks are the one-two offenses in the league, and neither of them play great defense unless, of course, the, the 49ers you know, serve it up on a platter for them as they did on Sunday. So it's a similar preview for both teams. 49ers swing and miss at the first try against Seattle. They're going to take another shot at it on Thursday at home against Green Bay. They're now 4-4. Four and four. We will see what the rest of the season brings. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time.